You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. Everyone's looking for peace, but do they really know where to find it? As we kick off Advent, we look at the themes of peace, hope, joy, and love. Today, we look at peace, where to find it, and how we're telling others where it is that we found it. On April 20, on February 24th, 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine in an escalation of the Russo-Ukrainian war that started in 2014. The invasion was the largest attack on a European country since World War II. It's estimated to have caused tens of thousands of Ukrainian civilian casualties and hundreds of thousands of military casualties. By June of that year, Russian troops occupied about 20% of Ukrainian territory. About 8 million Ukrainians had been internally displaced, and more than 8.2 million had fled the country by April of this year, creating Europe's largest refugee crisis since World War II. On October 7th of this year, 2023, Hamas terrorists launched an unprecedented surprise attack on Israel and infiltrated the country by air, by land, and by sea. Thousands have been left dead on both sides of the Israel-Gaza border. According to ABC News, there have been more mass shootings in the U.S. than days in the year this year, with the number as of October 2023 at 565. This past Wednesday, I dropped off the group of Ninth grade boys that I lead in a Bible study before school only to find a large police and emergency vehicle presence there and finding out a few hours later that a 15-year-old boy had been walking on the tracks and was hit and killed by the train. You know, there's no doubt as I read these statistics, as I talk about the things that we read every day in the world that we need peace. I feel like more and more as life goes on, I I could have the Bible open to Paul's words in Romans chapter 8 and look around at everything that's happening. Paul wrote in Romans 8, 20-22, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And as we come into this Advent season and we look at these themes of peace and love and joy and hope, I wonder what is the tension that we're feeling in our lives coming into this? Where is it in our own lives that we feel like we need to find peace? Where we need to experience rest? Where we need to experience all these things that we talk about during Advent? You know, in the midst of exile in a foreign country, God spoke and gave His Word through the prophet Isaiah. Beverly read some of the words from Isaiah's prophecy earlier, and we're going to read a, few, a, a little bit more of that passage. But God spoke through His prophet Isaiah as the people were scattered 
exiled into a different place and they needed a message of peace. They needed to know that God, even as we sang earlier, that God is not dead nor does He sleep. And in Isaiah 9, verses 1-7, through this is what Isaiah wrote. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, the humbled He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future He will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, You have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. When we lack peace, sometimes the thing that we need is for someone to speak into our lives and just say, hey, it's okay. Like, peace is coming. And Isaiah was that voice for the Israelites. To hear that in the midst of all that was swirling around them, being in a foreign place, wondering if they would ever have a home again, wondering if there was ever anyone who would stand up and advocate for them, Isaiah spoke. And those first words in that passage, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Those of us who are hurting, those of us who are in turmoil and despair, do we need to hear that message? Do we need to hear that message that there will be no more gloom? We we may not know when that will be, but there's the message for us that one day we will not experience gloom any longer. And as God speaks through Isaiah, we see these contrasting images that give us peace. That into darkness, God brings light. Those verses say, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A child is born. A child is coming. And that child is the one that we celebrate this time of year. That child is Jesus. Into despair, God brings peace. And these verses could give Israel peace because they knew what was coming. The Messiah. That He would come to bring peace. And this Messiah, He contrasts everything that they've seen up to this point. And this vision that Isaiah lays out for them is such a stark contrast from even what they've seen in their own nation. The ones hearing these words from Isaiah, they'd known governments resting on the shoulders of someone and those governments were not to be trusted. They were wondering if anyone would ever come again who wouldn't bring down wrath and and abuse their power. 
But they were promised one who would take on that government and do something completely different. He'd be wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Warren Wiersbe, who is a pastor and professor, says of the term everlasting father that it really might be better translated as the father of eternity. And that this idea that uh, the father, not necessarily literally father, but the originator of something. And so the, the one who would come, the Messiah who we know is Jesus, was the one who was the father of eternity. The one to usher in this idea, the originator of eternal life. And verse 7 dispels the fears of God's people. They knew the instability of government. They knew the instability of kings and kingdoms who could be overthrown. And Isaiah writes, of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And through the reign of the Son of God, the promised Messiah, peace will know no end. And these people have seen anything but peace. They've seen anything but justice and righteousness. They've seen anything but stability. And now Isaiah is promising it to them. And yet even in that promise, there's a lag, there's a lull before they finally realize it. And even when it comes, some of them don't even realize it. Has that ever happened to us? <laughs> Where the thing that's supposed to bring us peace, when it finally comes, maybe we don't even recognize it. Maybe we don't realize it. Maybe we don't take advantage of it. Isaiah told God's people that who would come And that's why we celebrate every year during Advent to remember the coming of Jesus and to look forward to His second coming. The first Advent of Jesus was when He came born of a virgin, born in a manger, in a lowly place. The second Advent is when He will come again. And we celebrate both of those things this time of year. He's the Prince of Peace, the Father of Eternity, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. But what is peace? The Hebrew word that's translated as peace is shalom, which in some ways it's it's a limited thing to say, well, it's just peace. It's something so much bigger than that. Commentator Alec Motyer says this, on a personal level, peace means fulfillment. Peace is well-being and freedom from anxiety. In relationships, it's goodwill and harmony. The opposite of war towards God is the full realization of His favor. And that's why Jesus came. To bring peace. And the peace is all of these things that, that Matyr says here in this quote. And I wonder if we've experienced that for ourselves. Have we experienced any of it? Have we experienced all of it? Have we experienced some of it? And if we haven't experienced it, then I think we have to ask ourselves, if I am not experiencing peace in any way at all, then have I really met the Prince of Peace? Do I really know this One of whom Isaiah tells us? Because if I'm not experiencing any peace at all, then I've got to ask that question. Yes, Jesus came to bring us salvation, absolutely, but He also has, there's other benefits to what the Prince of Peace brings. And that peace is one for truly following after Him. We should experience that peace. 
if we've met the Prince of Peace, then that should be a benefit of it. You know, the first house that Carrie and I bought once we moved from Connecticut had a nice big front porch on it, big enough for rocking chairs. I had always dreamed of having a big front porch. I wanted to be able to rock. Maybe I was an old soul inside, you know. I always thought of old men as sitting in rocking chairs, but... I thought about putting rocking chairs out there on warm summer nights, just sitting out there, watching neighbors go by, enjoying the warm weather, seeing the stars, enjoying silence, or even enjoying the noisiness of nature out on the front porch. It's funny because the front porch originally was a status symbol. It began in ancient Greece. It was a place that symbolized authority and power, the portico. But it eventually became something else. A means by which we connect to one another. It was on the front porch that neighbors would meet for the first time. That pleasantries would be exchanged. That tools were traded and vegetables were given. The front porch became a safe place for both the homeowner and the stranger or neighbor. It became a place where first impressions were made, where we could decide, both homeowner and visitor or neighbor, whether or not we'd take that next step and maybe go inside. The front porch was almost a foretaste of what you would experience when you walked through that door. And I wonder for us, not the physical front porch of our house, but for us, what does our front porch look like? To people that we encounter on a daily basis, what's the front porch that they experience in us? When we consider that as followers of Jesus that we've met the Prince of Peace, how do people experience peace on our front porch? Do they meet us and find peace? Are we people of peace? Are we people who bring a non-anxious presence? Or do people experience anything but peace with us? Jesus preached his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mountain in Matthew 5, 9. He said this, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. As Christians, we need to be the front porch of peace. Because we should have experienced the Prince of Peace. We should let people know what's inside by experiencing the front porch. And I wonder what they experience there. We're tied to Him, to our Savior. And are we peacemakers? Do we look to bring peace that we know from the Prince of Peace? Or do we bring conflict and disruption? And we're getting ready to go into a significant year as the calendar turns. And there's going to be anything but peace in the world around us, politically, in all kinds of ways. And I wonder, as followers of Christ, are we going to be ones who stir that up? Or are we going to be ones who say, hey, I follow and am influenced by the Prince of Peace. How can I be a front porch of peace to the people around me? How can I bring that wherever I go? We can be the front porch of peace. And we can be the thing that will make people say, hey, I want to go deeper. I want to walk into this house because what I see on the front porch, this foretaste, is something that I want more of. What do they experience there? What do people experience here? What would happen 
if someone were invited in, what does the front porch look like out there before anybody ever comes and experiences the community of the branch? What does our front porch look like? Are we showing them peace? Or will they know that they can go inside to find the source of that peace? Or will they run away and say, there is no peace here. And there's no peace inside. Because they've seen no evidence of that Prince of Peace. There's a man by the name of Edwin Friedman who who wrote a book. um, And in that book, he talked about this idea of a non-anxious presence. Over the weekend, I I feel like I've had a good weekend if I have read a a book in its entirety. And on Friday and Saturday, I I read a book called Non-Anxious Presence by a a pastor and author and speaker named Mark Sayers, whose podcast I listen to and um, whose books I've read. He talks about this idea of of being a a non-anxious presence that in the midst of everything that swirls around us and in the antithesis of peace that exists all over the place, what are we? And Mark Sayers, he, he writes this, he says, the only presence that can calm our anxiety is the peace that transcends all understanding and flows from giving our whole life to Christ as we depend on Him for everything. You see, There's a lot of people who are searching for peace out in the world. And we're the ones who have the answer of where they can find that peace. They can't find it in their jobs. They can't find it in success. They can't find it in relationships or possessions or anything like that. The only place that this peace that transcends all understanding can be found is in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. When we live in this shalom, this peace, we transcend it in such a way. We let people see on the front porch that there's an invitation to come and experience this peace in a way that they will not be able to find anywhere else. I'm not saying that this means that we have nothing but good things happen in our lives. No, it means that in the midst of life, we know and are tethered to the Prince of Peace the one who gives us that shalom that we can find nowhere else. And He gives us what we need so that others also can know that they can find that Prince of Peace and experience peace. And so what do we do with all this? Ask yourself some questions. Where is it that you see a lack of peace? In the world, in your life? Don't go pointing out everybody else's lack of peace. Be honest about your own. I mean, it's really easy for me to say, oh man, he needs peace. He needs peace. But looking in the mirror and saying, where is it that I need peace is a harder thing. And then the second question is this. Is there evidence of the Prince of Peace in your life? This isn't a shaming question either. Like, hey, it's okay. Be honest about it. Like, if there isn't, then the only way that you can move from there to the place where you do experience it is being honest about it. But is there evidence that you have met the Prince of Peace? And finally, what do people do people experience peace on your front porch? You know, in our everyday conversations, 
Now, I am not the guy who says that evangelism starts with like an open Bible and you know this well-thought-out four-step plan to go and tell people about Jesus. I think evangelism starts for us when we first have a conversation about the weather, about sports, about family, about anything like that. The Holy Spirit is there and active and alive in that conversation. And I wonder, in those conversations that we have, What is the front porch that we convey to people? Do they experience, do they see peace enough that they want to go inside and say, I want to experience this more? Because I think you've met somebody or someone has done something to you that I want a piece of, that I want to understand. Can we be the front porch of peace to the people around us? Again, don't hear me say that that means shy away from conflict or run away from anything like that. It's not what I'm saying. Even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of trouble, are we proclaiming the peace that passes all understanding that Paul talks about and promises that only the Prince of Peace can provide? Let me pray for us. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. We are grateful for the fact that You sent us the source of peace. And Father, we need Your peace now more than ever. And I just ask God that You would Bring us that peace. And Father, may we be a front porch of peace to the people around us. May they see something different in us. Not perfect, but pursuing perfection in You. So God, we pray that in this season and beyond, that we would be arrows pointing to the Prince of Peace who gives us a peace that passes all understanding, who gives us something that we can experience nowhere else, in nothing else, in no one else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's the front porch that people experience with you? Do they experience a front porch of peace? Is it evident that you know the Prince of Peace? Let's be front porches to peace as we interact with the people that God puts in our path. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.